Thanks for tuning in to the teaching ministry of Mike Hilson, Senior Pastor of New Life Wesleyan Church of La Plata, Maryland. It's a church that plants churches and of Where You Are Church, an online church helping people reconnect with God through practical content and a growing community. Hey, we're glad that you're taking time to listen to this week's message. We hope this teaching helps you love God and love people better every single day. And if you enjoy what you hear today, consider sharing it with someone else. Now, enjoy today's teaching. The sermon we're going to do today as we move into, this is the last in our, our, our series on Peter, and we're going to come down to don't waste your influence. Over time, if you lead well, over time, if you live well over time, if you manage your family well, if you manage your marriage well, if you live life well over time, you will gain influence over people that are around you. It just, it's going to happen. In fact, can I be honest, if you live properly, if you live the right way, manage your family well, manage your marriage well, uh, manage your career well, work well, lead well, if you do all of those things, you won't have to ask yourself, how will I ever get influence? Influence will just happen because people will see that you're doing right things and you're doing them in right order and people will see that you're making a difference and you'll begin to have influence on their lives. They'll start asking you, how do you do this? Or how did you do that? Or how did you understand this? They'll start asking you, you know, uh, how do you think about that? How do you even come? They'll start asking questions like that. You will gain influence. Here's the problem. When you gain influence, you now have a higher degree of responsibility for the influence you have on other people around you. And you have to be very carefully careful how you wield that influence because, because frankly, influence can be wielded a bit like a sword. Uh, it can be, it can defend people, it can, it can conquer, it can do all kinds of great things like that. It can also injure and damage people that you didn't mean to. Influence is something that must be managed properly. And here's the problem with that. All of us are human and all of us mess up even, even later in life. All of us mess up. And so we can mess up and use our influence in the wrong way, not even realizing we're, we've done it. We're going to go to an example in Peter's life. And in, in order to do this, I got to go to two different places in Scripture. Uh, but I'm going to go to an example in Peter's life that is that is, is an example of him doing this, him messing up after he is arguably by far and away the most influential person in all of the church at the moment. Peter's the one who is clearly in charge uh, as of as of Acts chapter 2 and the, the, the day of Pentecost. Uh, when all of that happens, Peter's clearly in charge. Peter is clearly the leader of the church in all of Israel, the leader of the Jewish church. Paul becomes the apostle to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, but Paul's influence really grows over time. Peter's the one that is, is, is the most influential person inside of the church, quite frankly, for probably his entire life. Um, and so, so Peter has massive influence, but he makes a mistake. He doesn't think through how he's wielding that influence. Watch, we're in Galatians chapter 2. I'm going to start reading verse 11. And when, what we're going to read here is the Apostle Paul speaking about the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul, point, well, just watch what it says. Uh, chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. When Cephas, this is Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. 
For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Let me explain. James in this story, James, Peter is the apostle to the Jewish people. Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. James is the head of the church in Jerusalem. And so when James comes to Peter, James comes from a vantage point of Jewish people worshiping Jesus as Messiah, but they're still very much acting in Jewish ways. So they're still following Jewish laws, Jewish dietary laws, Jewish uh, the, the Old Testament law. They would separate themselves from non-Jewish people. They would, they would see themselves as, as different, as set apart, and they, they just wouldn't... It, well, it's exactly what it says here. Uh, when they arrived, he began to draw back. Peter began to draw back from the Gentiles because he was afraid of these folks who were the law followers, the, he says, of the circumcision group. In other words, they're wanting to imply Jewish law on everybody. They're wanting to somehow they're they're wanting to somehow put this on other people on the Gentiles and 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 Paul has clearly said that's not what we're going to do. He's not headed that direction and Peter has agreed with Paul. If you remember Acts chapter ten, Peter has this whole vision where where God says, "Don't call anything unclean that I've made clean," and so Peter's Peter understands that Paul's doing the right thing, but. In my mind, without really thinking it all the way through, Peter falls back into an old pattern here when James shows up. And that pattern not only causes him to drop into hypocrisy by ignoring the Gentile people, all the other Jews around him start to do the same thing because they went to what was natural to them. They went to this this old way of thinking very, very quickly. Watch. You must, in order to protect your influence, you must remain consistent and real. Now, now let, me, let me explain what I mean here. In order to protect your influence, you must remain consistent. Uh, Peter knows that God has changed the rules on these things. He's already seen it. He, in the vision, he saw it, and then he went to Cornelius' house, and he saw that the Holy Spirit came down on the Gentiles. So he, he knows that God is, is going to save Gentiles. He knows that the Holy Spirit is going to, in, in, to in, in, enter Gentiles. He knows all that's going to happen. And, and he's been preaching that way. But now, because James shows up, he kind of falls back into some old patterns. But here's what I want you to understand. Falling back into unhealthy old patterns is extremely easy. And it, it sometimes happens without you even realizing you're really doing it. James shows up. James naturally just doesn't hang out with Gentiles because James is the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, and that's how they act in Jerusalem. But Peter immediately begins to revert back to his Jerusalem ways, and it it causes him to live in a hypocritical fashion because he's reaching to Gentiles, but now he's avoiding them. He wants to preach the truth to Gentiles, but now he's avoiding them. And he's doing it because James is there. It says here, because he was afraid of those who belong to the circumcision group. This is Paul's take on it. Paul says, I think Peter was afraid of this group. And maybe Peter was. But in the end, you need to understand that you cannot... Once you have influence, 
if you fall back into an old pattern, you're going to drag other people with you. And they're going to follow you into that pattern, and they're going to be hurt by it just as much as everybody else is. All the other Jews that began, the other Jews joined Peter in this hypocrisy, and it became so bad they even got Barnabas. And Barnabas likes everybody. And if you get Barnabas to not hang out with people, now you you've really messed up. And so Peter has made a mistake here. I'm not even sure in the beginning he realized he'd done it until Paul calls him on it. He says, you've got to stop this. This is not okay. Keep reading verse 14. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, Peter, in front of them all, you're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? You're Jewish, but you're following Jesus and the Jewish people don't want you to do that. And so you're acting more like a Gentile. You're living more like a Gentile. You yourself have set aside a lot of these dietary restrictions. You yourself have have had this vision from God. You know that none of this is applicable anymore. You know that you are supposed to move forward. This is how you're living. How then do you expect that you're going to be able to put these laws on other people when you're not even following them? So you've got to remain consistent and real, but you've also got to remain consistent accountable and teachable. Peter could have rejected Paul at this point. I, I, I really do want to make the point that Peter is probably the most influential, most powerful person in all of Christianity at the moment. Paul is very close. He, he's up there. He's, he's, one of the, he's one of the main leaders. But Peter really holds the greatest level of authority in his lifetime. And so Peter has this authority that he could have rejected what Paul had to say. He could have cast Paul away. He could have pushed Paul out of his sight. He probably could have made some kind of attempt to excommunicate Paul from the church. I mean, all of that could have happened, but it didn't. Peter didn't do any of that. Why? Because even though he was the most influential person in the room, he understood that no matter how influential you are, no matter how important you are, no matter how long you've been doing this, you must remain accountable and teachable. People have to be able to call you on things. People have to be able to tell you, this is wrong, don't do this. People have to be able to say to you, you're messing up right now. If nobody can say that to you, then you're going to make a mess of things and you'll never even know you did it. And the problem when you make a mess of things as an influencer is you bring people along with you and they start making the same mess you're making. So all of a sudden, uh, what, what, what would have been a mistake on your own early on before you had influence now becomes a mistake that you are giving to other people like some kind of virus. And all of a sudden, all of these people are acting in ways they should not be. They're all being hypocritical. And it's really because of you you got to understand that's not okay, and you are going to be held responsible for how you handle that influence. You say, well, then I don't want to be a person of influence. You don't have a choice. If you live your life right, you're going to have influence on people. You've got, you've got to understand that we've got to be careful with this because we've got to stay accountable and teachable. If you are accountable and teachable and people can approach you and say to you, I think this is wrong, what you're doing, and you can receive that, hear that, process that, Sometimes you'll hear it and you'll process it and you'll go, nope, they're wrong. Okay, fine. They were wrong. But sometimes you'll hear it, you'll process it and you'll say, oh, wow, they've got a point. 
And when that happens, you've got to change your actions. You've got to change the way you act. Now, all of this in Galatians leads to a council in Jerusalem, leads to a meeting of all of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. That's in Acts chapter 15. Now, I want you to watch what happens in Acts chapter 15. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. Now, here's the question. The question was, should should the Gentiles be forced to follow Jewish law in order to be Christian, in order to follow Christ? So they, they, they met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. That's at Cornelius' house. When he's going, he goes to Cornelius, he preaches, and they all receive Jesus. They follow Jesus, and the Holy Spirit comes, and they receive the Holy Spirit. He showed that he, he, um, he shows, I'm sorry, God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe that it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. And and it's interesting, if we kept reading in chapter 15, you'd find that James then is next to speak up. And James suggests a couple of laws, a couple of rules that they should follow that will help them stay away from idolatry. And, and then and they move on. They write a letter and they say, this is all we're going we're gonna to require. So Paul brings it up. Peter then says, I messed up. I did the wrong thing here. But Paul's right. We can't put these laws on them. And then James, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, is the one who says, okay, well, then let's just boil it down to a couple of things that will help them stay away from idolatry and stay away from impurity. Okay, good. That's what we'll do. And they, they simplified the gospel. Here's what you've got to understand. The fact that they did that made Christianity a global, intercultural, a cross-cultural religion. If they had not done that, Christianity would have remained a subset of Judaism for the rest of time and eternity. But the Holy Spirit led all of them to get on the same page and say, this is not who we are. But Peter, as the most influential among them, Peter had to receive the rebuke from Paul in order for this moment in Acts chapter 15 to even happen. You say, well, how, how, what did he do? I mean, did he have to quit? Did he? No. When you find that you have done something with your influence that was inappropriate, you must own your mistake and then move on. you got to own it and move on. There, there's no need to dwell in it. There's no need to wallow in it. There's no need to, there's no need to, con- look, hold, when God forgives, when Jesus forgives you, he throws your sin as far away as the east is from the west. So why, why would we try to wallow in our mistakes over and over and over again we just own it and we move on. You say, well, I don't want to own it. I don't want anybody to know it. I, I realize I did wrong, but I don't want anybody to know it. Okay, I could take you to all kinds of politicians who tried to hide what they did wrong and they wouldn't own it. And it destroyed them not because of what they did. What destroyed them was them trying to not own it. What destroyed them was them trying to hide it. You got to understand that sometimes the cover up is worse than the crime. 
And so so you, you can't do that. Own it. Allow it. St- st- say to people, I messed up. Paul pointed this out to me, and I, he's right. I messed this up. I'm sorry. And move on and write a letter to the entire church saying, don't do what I did. Don't do that. You know. And then so that, that's what they did. Look, can I be honest? When you own your mistake and move on, you're again exerting influence that helps people move on with their lives. They then learn that, oh, okay, I just need to admit it, and then I'll have forgiveness, and then I can move on from there and keep going. I may end up in a different job. I may end up in a different place. Depending on my failure of influence, I may not be able to continue to do what I'm doing, but I can move on with my life. I can move on with my influence. I can move on with my walk with Christ. I can keep going because God gives forgiveness to us. Y'all, I need y'all. Mm. See, I need a crowd because I need an amen right there. God forgives us no matter what. And the truth is that when we ask for his forgiveness and we'll own it, we'll confess it, he'll give us the capacity to just step out and move on. And when that happens, when that happens, then the church begins to grow and people are reached with a good news, a good news that Jesus loves them just as much as he loves Peter and Honestly, the good news that even as we are learning throughout our lives, there are other people that the Holy Spirit will will use to guide us and direct us and put us back on the right path if we'll let it happen. But we've got to guard our influence because the more influence you have, the more responsibility you have. And we have to remember that. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would just speak to us Lord, everybody under the sound of my voice has influence in their lives. Lord, let us use it rightly. And when we use it in the wrong way, let us just hear that. Let, it, let us have open minds. Let us, let, us, let us be accountable to people. And then, Lord, let us just own it and then move on in the way that you want us to go. Thank you, God. Forgive us. Empower us. Use us in your kingdom. And don't let us ever waste any of these experiences. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, a couple questions. So can you share an example of any time where, you know, maybe it was challenging for you to remain consistent in your character and how you overcame those challenges? Well, yeah. I mean, I've had plenty of times where um, I have often had moments where the last thing I want to confess to a group of people I've just met is that I'm a pastor. Ooh, that's interesting. It's the last thing I want to do because mm-hmm. uh, it, it changes the it changes the whole tenor of the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, Tina and I'll be on vacation. She and I like going to these all inclusive places. You know, and so we're just hanging out in the pool. We're talking to people. We're getting to know people. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're from Ohio, and uh, you, know, you mm-hmm. have all these conversations. Everybody seems to be from Ohio or Canada. They're escaping, I guess. But um, not but, much to do up there. I guess. <laughs> but we um, we get to talking to them, and and we're having these great conversations, you know. And um, and then they'll say, "What do you do?" And if I just drop it, oh, I'm a pastor. Mm-hmm. That conversation, they will move away from us within five minutes. Yeah, I mean it's consistent. It's so like now they know where the landmines are, and they're right in front of them. Oh yeah, and they've been cussing <laughs> at me the whole time they've been standing there, you know, because yeah. it's not like we're at a Christian retreat center, and so they're just they're just dropping them, you know. And so and then I say I'm a pastor, and you you could see their minds start mm-hmm. to go back and unpack everything, you know. So mm-hmm. so I think for me, 
I have to sometimes be careful that I don't allow, I, what I want to continue is the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. I have to be careful that I don't allow that desire for the conversation to continue um, to cause me to, um, what's the word I'm looking for, like like Peter here, to cause me to fear hurting their feelings by saying I'm a, I'm a pastor, which mm -hmm. says I'm a Christian. Yeah. And so all of a sudden it can start to seem and feel like I'm ashamed of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I'm not. Right. You know, so I, I have to be very careful careful with that. I also have had, um, I'll, give you, I'll give you a funny example. We just got here um, in 99, and I wanted the church to be casual, so um, I stopped. I kind of stopped wearing a tie, but I still had on my coat because I had been taught my whole life that you know, to preach, you have to wear a coat and tie. And I always wore a coat and tie on Sundays. I always did that. Yeah. And so, but I wanted everybody else to be casual. So I'm in a business meeting and, um, and one of the main leaders in the church just looks at me and says, you know, you keep telling all of us, you want this place to be casual, but you keep showing up in a suit coat. Mm. And I just stared at him and I'm like, so what are you saying? You want me to wear jeans and a button up? He went, why not? Okay, I had never thought about the hypocrisy of <laughs> I want you to be casual, but I'm going to dress up because somehow I think I'm supposed to. And what it did was, what I began to realize it did was, it be I began to realize it separated me. Yeah. And so it separated me from everybody else, and it made mm -hmm. me seem more holy and better than everybody That's else. That's a whole lesson on influence yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah and, and so influence. I began to realize that, but that's just a mm -hmm. funny story. That's so. a good one. Okay, so accountability, you talked about that, mm -hmm. um, how Peter was really accountable to Paul. And he um, allowed for that. Even though he had more authority, mm -hmm. perceived authority at least. How do we approach someone if if we feel like they're not living in line with their professed beliefs without appearing judgmental? So like Paul, I mean, he just barges in, it seems like. That's how, the way I read it is Paul's just like, <laughs> I opposed him to my, his face. You know, the way he writes it is pretty intense. Um, and clearly, there's other examples where he gets into sharp disagreement over John Mark um, right. later on, and there's some. It seems like Paul's good with confrontation. Yeah, it does. And especially when you read Corinthian letters and everything else, he hasn't any any problem speaking truth. Um, but for the rest of us, mere humans, what do, how do we do this? <laughs> well, okay, Paul is one of those unique people that for some reason it was okay for him to be just blunt. Mm all the time it's also a different cultural time but he paul paul gentle is not the word you would use right uh from what we can read now maybe he's totally different than what he sounds like in his words a lot of people look at me from the outside of the church and they believe that i'm just this really hard-nosed uh demanding always get my way type person mm. and i think it's because from the stage i need to be declarative uh, when, when in reality, I'm just really not like that all that much. Mm -hmm. If I, if I do take a stand on, anyway, that's not the point. Uh, they may, he, so he may have been far more gentle than we think, but he mm -hmm. didn't come across that way. When you do this, it's again, back to something we said last week. You must understand the person you're talking to. Some people, it's very direct. You say things very direct. Other people, you need to work your way into it. But you've got to know the person you're talking to. And frankly, if you don't know that person well enough to know how to approach it, you don't know them well enough to have the right 
to approach something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you, you you need to have earned the right to do that. When yeah. I talked about talk about Chris Wagnon saying, you know, speaking harshly to me, well, he's earned the right to do that. I mean, we've been friends for twenty some years now, and you know, we've we've done missions trips around the world together. So you know, we've worked together for eight years or so, and um, so I I just he he has the right to do that. I, I in turn have the right to do that with him, right. you know? And, uh, so if you don't, if you're not in a position to have that right, it's not going to end well for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had other people walk up to me who do not know me from anything. I had a lady come up to me after church one Sunday and screamed at me because I said something wrong. She understood what I said in the wrong way. And, told me who I was and told me what was wrong with me and, and stormed off. Well, this woman didn't know me from Adam's house cat, you know? I mean, that's an old phrase. I haven't heard that one. And so ever. Adam and Eve had a house cat. Who knew? But anyway, um, she, she didn't know me from anybody, right? But she was going to judge me. Hmm. And um, she, I wasn't going to hear anything she had to say because she didn't know who she, was talking about, who she was talking to or what she was talking about. You know, if you don't have that relationship, you're probably not the one to, to approach it. Paul and, and Peter obviously had a relationship. Hmm. And uh, they knew each other. They worked alongside each other. And uh, Paul had earned the right to say this to Peter. And Peter understood that hmm. and received it from Paul. Yeah, and openly admits that he's wrong. I mean, we see him make the turn and address everybody mm-hmm. correcting his former mistake. I, I do love Acts chapter 15, the fact that they all got on the same page. Yeah. James is leading a church that probably is not going to be happy mm. with the fact that he just he just kind of seems to have deleted all these parts of the law. Yeah, four things. Yeah, and they only get four four left. requirements. So, Pretty you wild. Know, I, I, I think that James, but James is willing to step up and be the one that says, yeah. let's do this. Yeah, and being, being wrong is tough, mm-hmm. and having to admit that you're wrong is tough. We all know that. But how do we do that? Um, maybe some guidance that you could give on how to do that if it requires a public. Rip the band off. Rip, rip the okay. Band-Aid off quick. Just, just do it just fast. Do it. Do it. Get just it over it. with. Get it over with. Because less less is more. Yes. <laughs> get it over with and don't dwell on it. For, for, for the Lord's sake, don't dwell on, dwell on it. Yeah. Uh, people that constantly go back to, uh, the, well, you know, I did, and I did this, and I did this, and they constantly, it, 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 nobody wants to hear it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody wants to hear it anymore. Uh, and I just, I just think that, I think that you've got to, you own it, mm-hmm. do it quickly, do it, do it clearly, uh, articulate it. Don't, don't try to give yourself excuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've had to do this in front of the board before. I've had to go to the board before and say I was wrong. And here's what I did. Boom. I, I can't give myself cover. It's not helpful for me to say, well, you know, I thought that it was this, and I thought it was that. I thought it was that. It really wasn't my Okay, nobody's going to buy that. Mm-hmm. It was my fault. I was the leader. Okay. Mm-hmm. I messed this up. I need, to, I need you to know I messed this up. Here's how we're fixing it. Are you good, or do you need to do anything else? And they just look, they just look at me and say, no, we're good. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, moving on is a big part of what you just said. Mm-hmm. And practically speaking, I think you gave some, you know, not waiting on it. That's really right. good. Um, but does it mean forgetting or is there often a process of reflection and growth that goes with that? It means it, it does not mean forgetting. It also does not mean dwelling on or in. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there's a there's a process of reflection and growth. 
why did you do that? What, I mean, you don't need to go through that process with everybody. You need to go that through that process on your own or with someone who can help you process it. Yeah. Um, why did you do this? Why do you feel this way? Mm-hmm. Uh, you actually are the one who, who talked to me about, I uh, forget the levels of why, asking five different levels, five of, levels why. of why. Yeah. You know, dig a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Well, this is what I did. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, because this. Well, why did you feel that way? What made you make that decision? What caused mm-hmm. this? And when you get down deep enough, you'll get to the core answer. And once you get to that core answer internally, that'll help you turn the table and move on. Uh, but if you don't get to the core answer, your answer, if you only deal with the with the symptom on the surface, you'll never get there. You know, I've, I've got this tennis elbow thing going on, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody said to me, uh, you need to go get a cortisone shot. And I don't want to get a cortisone shot. Why? Because it's just covering the problem. Why? Because it's not. Gonna, I'm just trying I need it out to heal. You know, <laughs> I need to. I need to give this thing time to heal. Yeah. And when it heals, it won't hurt anymore. Mm. Okay. So I, you know, I get if I give the cortisone shot and it doesn't hurt, I'll go back out and re-injure it because I'll decide. Well, I can do that. It doesn't hurt. Mm. And all I've done is covered up the problem. I don't yeah. want to do that. So I'm nothing wrong with cortisone shots. Don't. Don't anybody get. Don't anybody cortisone get shots are the but, devil. Um, <laughs> no, they're not. Here, where but, you are, church. But um, we're gonna. But you know, I, I don't want to cover over the symptom. I want to deal with the issue. Yeah, so. I hear you. That's good. All right. Well, that's our Peter series. That right. was fun. It was fun. All right. Thank you again for joining us. We hope that this resource helped you in your journey towards loving God and loving people better every single day. If you enjoyed this, please take a second, share it with your friends. And last, we wanted to give a special thanks to all of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you all that this is possible. And if you'd like to learn more about how to partner with us financially, go ahead and click give for more information. We appreciate anything that you can do to help. So thanks again for being a member of our online family. We love serving Jesus with you.